0: That's TrinitySchool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life, transform the world. Me!
1: Focus Features presents Back to Black.
0: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
1: Experience the music and her story.
0: Know like this. I ain't no spy scale
1: Like never before.
0: That's my daughter. That's my Amy.
1: On the big screen.
2: I want to be remembered for just
3: being me.
1: Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
3: What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun
4: What poisoning my giant city of hundreds of thousands of people due to industrial negligence? I'm Robert Evans, host of <laughs> Behind the Bastards, uh, the podcast where we tell you everything you don't know about the very worst people in all of history. Uh, my guest today is the inimitable, the inevitable, the inimicable, <laughs> Jamie Loftus. <laughs>
2: inevitable <laughs> just mm-hmm. a natural part of life <laughs> hi am I am I allowed to tell the listeners that I didn't know what we were talking about today until I think I think you just revealed it
4: I, I did a little bit if you know much about this particular disaster a lot Chernobes? of people may have guessed no no or not nobs not true nose as I Chernobes. affectionately
2: call that disaster
4: well, I'm I'm glad that you first off Jamie Loftus, uh, co-host of the Bechtel Cast. Oh yes, uh, yeah uh, uh, the the actress and and creative visionary uh, behind a uh, a, a one woman show that's going to be in Scotland soon. Yes, uh, Edinburgh. Boss who of, Miss Girl. Yeah.
2: All August, baby, come out. All Scotland August, heads.
4: Scotland heads, check her out. Mm. Um, yeah, it's actually I'm I'm really glad that you guessed Chernobyl. Um, because I think a lot of people, having heard that intro, would have guessed Chernobyl. And judging by the state of my Twitter mentions a month or so ago, I think about everybody I know was watching Chernobyl uh, in one long...
2: It's because Jared Jared Harris, um, it's because he's a sexy daddy, and people love sexy daddies on TV.
4: I know, everybody loves a sexy dad. Sometimes I adopt children just to be sexier. Yeah, uh, I mean, don't well, take care of them, don't raise them, just adopt them.
2: Well, that sounds extremely negligent and mm-hmm. um, honestly Hot. go off. I love it. Hot.
4: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I haven't seen the Chernobyl TV show yet. I am going to watch it. I just haven't had have time to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people have begged me to do an episode on Chernobyl, and I expect I will one of these days because it's it's a really terrible disaster. There were a lot of bastards, you know, behind it. mm mm-hmm. uh, but I think most people who watched the series but didn't do much outside reading on Chernobyl would be surprised to learn that the, the immediate death toll from the disaster was quite a lot lower than I think TV dramatizations might lead you to believe. Interesting. Um, the explosion killed two people directly. Mm-hmm. Um, another 29 died in the hospital in the few days following the disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it as far as a direct death toll from like, the actual meltdown itself. Oh, so actually kind
2: um, of no big deal.
4: Well, I wouldn't say that, um, but it is, it is, it is like the long-term health consequences are a little bit harder to pin down.
2: Can we put you on record as Chernobyl NBD?
4: Yeah, Chernobyl NBD. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, maybe good, maybe maybe wow. great. Wow. Yeah. Okay, you you, you um, took the take. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, as of like 2011, there have been a total of 28 deaths uh, due to acute radiation syndrome, and another 15 fatal cases of child thyroid cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, because radiation lasts a very long time, the eventual death toll from Chernobyl, decades from now, will probably number into the thousands. Uh, in 2016, the World Health Organization estimated the eventual death toll of Chernobyl at around 4,000 people. Um, a pretty serious disaster, that is very bad. Hip. Yeah. Terrible tragedy, Mm -hmm. but today we're going to talk about a disaster that dwarfs Chernobyl, uh, a calamity many times deadlier than the worst nuclear disaster in human history, with longer lasting catastrophic impacts on the people who live around it. Mm -hmm. Today, we are talking about the worst industrial disaster in the history of our species. Today, we're talking about Bhopal, India. You ever heard of Bhopal?
2: I have not, no.
4: Oh, good. I'm glad to hear this.
2: A new disaster to me. Always a new, disaster. For a new disaster.
4: Mm-hmm. Everybody, we all are. That's a uh, disaster <laughs> capitalism, baby.
2: Oh, I love it! Oh, I would get, mm-hmm. I would pay thirty dollars for a t-shirt that says "disaster capitalism," and I not mean, think too hard about how it was made.
4: Sophie, can we get the t-shirt people on that? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you, what do you, what do you do that to my dream, Sophie?
2: <laughs> I'll do it, and then I'll put it in the Bechtelcast store.
4: Yeah, we'll we'll sell it with another show. Yeah, just cash that (laughs) check on somebody else's account. So, uh, the question I want everybody to ask themselves sort of at the end of this episode and kind of be thinking about as we go through this story, um, because this is something that I think about a lot, is why does every Western school kid learn the name Chernobyl, but nobody knows, or very few people in the West have heard of Bhopal? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's uh, keep that keep that one in your head as we go through this Okay, Bhopal is a city the capital of the Indian state of Madhya Pradesh uh, it's known as the city of lakes and is famed for being one of the greenest cities in all of India it's a little bit like India's Portland um, you might say at least geographically um, in the early 1980s it was home to more than a million people Now in the middle of the last century, India was hit with a major food crisis due to an exploding population and farmland that had still not really recovered from the damage done to it by centuries of British misrule. So India launched the Green Revolution in the early 1960s with the goal of using science and technology to reform their agricultural practices and increase their crop yields. In the late 60s, the government started reaching out to foreign companies, offering them incentives to bring jobs to India. And one of the companies they approached was Union Carbide an American chemical giant with a name that like sounds like they're going to do to say up
2: that shit. sounds like yeah. bad writing anytime yeah. that uh, it's, it's like, can someone just tell the people naming these companies? I guess now that like now things aren't quite as yeah. on the nose sinister. Now it's just like every evil company ends with an L Y.
4: Yeah.
2: Um. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like- mur- murderly.
4: Murder Lee is only slightly less subtle than Union Carbide. Union yeah.
2: Carbide, yeah. That that also sounds like a really good name for a cartoon villain.
4: Union carbide. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a good name. We for meet a him early
2: film. in the movie and he's like, My name's Union, and you're like, Oh, that sounds good. And he's like, Union carbide, and yeah. you're
4: like, Oh shit, oh, he's gonna shit kill us. Mm-hmm. I mean, Just like all carbides do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Union Carbide, uh, one of their big, big—they made a lot of different chemicals. Uh, but one of their big money makers was a pesticide called Seven, and it's spelled S-E-V-I-N.
2: Are you kidding um, me?
4: Yeah, that's such a sinister name for a pesticide, <laughs> isn't it? Like,
2: I—I <laughs> uh, mean, I don't—I—I don't. I, I don't yeah. but like, but the—it's just—it's really gaudy. This is but, yeah, really you gaudy know it's... villainy.
4: Yeah, yeah, Seven. Like, Some... why, I don't know why that's, maybe because of the movie Seven with Brad Pitt. Yeah, but...
2: I, it just sounds so, yeah, like Met Ball evil. <laughs> like mm-hmm. really campy evil. Anyways.
4: Yeah, yeah, campy, exaggerated so, evil. A, a
2: pesticide uh, called Seven.
4: A pesticide called Seven. Now, Seven was popular in Latin America and popular in Asia. Um, and so since it was so popular in Asia, uh, from like a, a balance sheet standpoint, having a manufacturing plant in India made a lot of sense for Union Carbide. Mm. So the company worked out an arrangement with the Indian government where the Indian government would hold a 22% stake in the Union Carbide subsidiary company that was formed to manage the plant, Union Carbide India Limited. There was a great excitement around the deal at first, and Union Carbide began to market their products using the slogan "Science helps build a new India," which is again so fucking sinister. Like, God,
2: it's, yeah. Uh, God, it's just when people are so villainous, they don't even care if they come off that way. That is
4: that is another yeah, level. They were they were inadvertently foreshadowing.
2: <laughs> like, this just sounds like. Have you seen Have you seen Paddington too, Robert?
4: No, I have not. This is normal. Paddington 2 a- about this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this? It's basically a rehashing of this, it sounds like. No, it's, uh, this is more Caitlin Durante's department. But in Paddington 2, Hugh, uh, Hugh Grant plays this over-the-top villain who sounds like he would have a pesticide called Seven and say, and say like qui- like a quippy villain. Yeah. Yeah. Also yeah, a, an, yeah. an incredible dance number.
4: Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Hugh Grant, you say?
2: Yes, yes. In a yeah, I mean, I... career-defining role.
4: Yeah, I. That's that's good because his career needed some definition after that garbage he put out in the '90s. Harsh. I, I see. Know, I can I, I can
2: rarely tell the difference between uh, Colin Firth and Hugh Grant, and that's my feminism.
4: Uh, as I understand it, uh, if water rolls off of its back, it's Colin Firth. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> if you throw it in water and it floats.
4: Yeah, then it's Hugh Grant. And it's
2: Hugh Grant. <laughs> okay, that's very helpful.
4: That's, Thank you. Yeah. So, that's why you yeah, always construction carry water bottle <laughs> to test whether or not it's Colin Firth or Hugh Grant. Mm hmm. <laughs> So, uh, construction of the Union Carbide plant uh, started in 1969. Now, the plant's purpose would be to manufacture carbaryl, which was the active ingredient in the popular pesticide 7, and another ing- chemical called alidcarb for a pesticide named Timic. Both bug poisons required large amounts of a regular poison to manufacture. The key ingredient was something called methyl isocyanate, which is an unspeakably deadly gas at like room temperatures. Uh, M-I-C, as we will refer to it in most of this episode, is colorless and heavier than air. It functions similarly to phosgene gas, the deadliest poison gas of the First World War. And appropriately enough, phosgene gas is one of the byproducts of producing M-I-C. So they're making bug poison out of this unspeakably deadly uh, poison gas. Okay. Okay. Critical sure. ingredient.
2: I am very curious about what their graphic design game is because this all sounds so sinister and I'm wondering if it matches.
4: You know, there there are some ads I've seen. One of them was like a Latin American ad and it's got like a, a, a smiling, um, like in the background, like a smiling Mexican farmer in all white clothes with a bushel of fruits and vegetables in his arm. Mm-hmm. And then in the foreground, you've got the seven pesticide, which has been like anthropomorphized as a tiny person beating oh, the God. shit out of bugs. Oh yeah. my
2: god. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Didn't didn't yeah. disappoint.
4: Yeah. Now, initially, all the methyl isocyanate used in the Bhopal plant was manufactured in the good old U.S. of A. Mm -hmm. The site where the plant was constructed had only been zoned for light industry and commercial use, not for manufacturing tons and tons of poisonous chemical gas, as it was surrounded both by bodies of water and densely populated slums. But by the late 1970s, financial pressure from competition led Union Carbide to decide they should start manufacturing MIC in Bhopal. They called the process of refitting their plant to manufacture the raw materials and the final product. Backward integration. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. Union Carbide instituted rigorous safety procedures in order to keep the plant and the citizens of Bhopal safe. There were two sirens: a loud, continuous one to warn members of the public, and a quieter one to announce problems to the factory workers within the plant itself. There were also a number of safety measures within the plant a refrigeration unit to chill the MIC, thus condensing it into a liquid and rendering it much safer, a vent gas scrubber to remove dangerous substances from the plant's industrial exhaust, and a flare tower in order to burn off excess deadly gases. But the most important safety feature of the Union Carbide plant was a well-trained workforce. All plant operators were required to have a college degree in either a related scientific field or in engineering. They received six months of training to ensure that they had a working understanding of not just their own specific jobs, but the jobs of everyone else on their shift. This is critical in plants working with chemicals as dangerous as MIC. Workers obviously need to understand the whole plant so they can spot potential problems or mistakes before a disaster occurs. Well, there so are that all doing... sounds great, right? Yeah,
2: that sounds about- Above board, leaps and bounds uh, over Theranos. Very uh, much better than Theranos. People are qualified yeah. to be doing their jobs. I like this. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, w- I was looking up some of the advertising for this as well. And uh, I, f- I found, uh, did you see the the advertising campaign that's just a gigantic white hand pouring a vial of chemicals onto, <laughs> I swear to God, it's a gigantic white oh. man's hand pouring chemicals Onto India. And it says, Science uh, helps build a new Indi- India, Union Carbide. A hand in things to come. Gigantic. I mean, it's geez, just a hand it's, in things
4: to come. Come on, people.
2: It's just, it's, it's, it's hideous. I, it's I mean, if you're.
4: If you're listening to this podcast and a Hollywood producer, there's your intro for the mini series based on Bhopal India. Just animate all of these horrifying ads and slogans. There's as like, you know, there's terrifying so music plays. There's another one yeah. with a
2: huge white man's hand pouring chemicals onto a factory in India. What is Jesus. that even supposed to mean? It says, "Oh, more jobs through science."
4: Hollywood, Netflix, you're just leaving money on the table if you don't produce God.
2: this. God. The, yeah. yeah. Please check out the very menacing white man's hand uh, advertising for Union Carbide. It is uh, it, it is horrifying. Wow. There's <laughs> great. so there's at least ten of them. He's holding awesome. He's holding strawberries in one. He's holding dirt in one. Pouring chemicals in a lot. Uh, oh, one of his hands on fire.
4: Oh, cool. Fingers That's of flame
2: great. that pierce solid rock. What the is wrong with these
4: people? Why would
2: you? (laughs) This one is wild. Fingers of flame that pierce solid rock. Yes, through a dramatic new process known as jet piercing. Holes can now be burned straight through solid rock. The harder the rock, the more efficient the operation. A special combination of oxygen, fuel, and water does the job and does it in just the fraction of the time of the old drill attack. So there's a, yeah, there's a, a flaming hand just punching through
4: rock. Cool, cool. Okay, well. These all sound like great ads that were dreamed up by coked up people who had like a gut level intuition that their company was going to do something horrible.
2: And what year are we in right now for? We're in
4: like the 1970s at this point so when we're, like things get up and running.
2: We're full on in, like this is a Don Draper joint. This, this yeah, yeah, yeah. fire hand punching through rock, got it.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I just walked through all of the kind of the safety features of the Bhopal plant. And on paper, that's how everything worked. But, you know, as I talked about earlier, increasing financial pressures led Union Carbide to start cutting costs. And the easiest place to cut was basic safety procedures. In 1976, the two trade unions that represented the plant's workers sent out letters of complaint to their managers in the Indian Ministry of Labor, talking about unsafe levels of pollution within the plant. They received no response. Oof. The 1980s started and Union Carbide's financial woes continued. Conditions at the factory began to degrade further as wages were cut and standards for workers started dropping. Union Carbide stopped requiring all of their employees to have degrees. Six months of training turned into eight weeks. In 1981, things had gotten bad enough that phosgene gas spewed out of a badly maintained holding tank and into the face of a worker. He ripped off his mask in a panic and died horrifically three days later. His managers, yeah, terrible. His managers, of course, management of the plant, blamed him because he'd removed his mask after getting sprayed in the face with poison. Well, sure. Uh, The union pointed out that the faulty valve had been responsible for the accident and that the plant had not provided the worker with proper protective gear, so the mask would not have done much if he'd left it on his face. Plant Mm. management ignored this.
2: Of course they did. That sounds very inconvenient.
4: Sounds very inconvenient for them. In January of 1982, there was another phosgene leak. 24 workers were hospitalized, but at least this time, nobody died. Workers began to agitate for better safety precautions. In February of 1982, an MIC leak injured another 18 workers. In August of the same year, a chemical engineer suffered burns to 30% of his body from another MIC leak. Leaks continued to happen every month or so, injuring workers at a steady pace. Now... If you were a responsible corporation, you might say, "Boy, the monthly poison gas leaks might be a sign that something is awry with our factory, and perhaps major changes should be made."
2: Hmm. But what Maybe. if you were uh, the type of company whose mascot is a gigantic Caucasian hand? What would you What would you do if that were that were more your vibe?
4: <sighs> well, uh, I think you would continue cutting costs, uh, and I think. <laughs> This is, we're getting to one of the most fucked up crazy things of this whole story. So Union Carbide, to their credit, did make some concessions for the health and well-being of their uh, Indian employees. It provided them with twice yearly medical exams from the plant doctor, which sounds sounds great. They that did sounds, blood and urine tests.
2: That sounds like some uh, bare minimum stuff that never happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. It
4: was, a, it was a little less than bare minimum because while they were given blood and urine tests, workers were never actually given the results of their exams. Uh, Union Carbide huh. India Management put out brochures advising employees that they could develop a resistance to poison by drinking six or seven glasses of milk per day and eating a lot of fish and eggs.
2: <laughs> what?
4: Did drink some have... milk.
2: <laughs> what is the logic behind that? Is it it's just lit, like a like a mommy thing like shut up and drink your milk and there's no way and you'll it's... never die. By so, this I point. I said.
4: Union Carbide knows that the plant's not going to be there forever. They've got a couple years more, and they're going to gradually kind of, like, pull all of the assets out of it and shut it down. Mm-hmm. And they, the unions are agitating for expensive work to make the plant safe and stop killing workers and stuff. Ugh, so Hyrule. this was sort of a delaying tactic. We're not going to give them any money or better medical care. Tell them to drink milk.
2: Again, so over-the-top <laughs> yeah. villainous.
4: Yeah, it's really fucked up.
2: Like... <laughs> You can picture someone in a gigantic like money throne being like yeah. just tell them to drink milk. I don't care. And ugh. them drink milk. <laughs> ugh.
4: It's amazing.
2: Did they provide the milk?
4: Why would you do that? No. Of course I not. Hate it. Yeah. It's awful and at the same time by the time we're we're through with this, you'll barely remember that because of how fucked up everything else is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this fucking story. By the end of 1982, most of the original MIC operators had resigned. Workers from other union carbide plants, without the proper training and experience to work with such a dangerous chemical, were brought in to manage the plant. They received 14 days of training. (laughs) That's clearly enough.
0: Jeez.
4: Due to fears of industrial espionage, these new workers did not have access to manuals that told them how to do their job. Mm-hmm. Only the manager could access the manual, which was, of course, printed in English, a language not spoken by the majority of the workers.
2: Cool. Cool. I, cool. Mean, I mean, it seems cool. fair to... I, I love a good tale of oppressing the poor, uh, mm-hmm. especially when it's being done by evil white Americans.
4: Cool. Like milk, oppressing the poor does a body good. Yeah, that'll be funny to the three or four people who remember that old milk industry Does it, campaign.
2: I, I do, I do remember it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, I'm it still like, stuck on the milk thing. I mean, I
4: just—it's yeah. fucking wild.
2: <laughs> God, have someone punch that up at least. Have someone yeah. punch up this villainy. It's it's mm-hmm. coming in a little stale for me. A
4: L- little bit. Yeah. At this point, the Union Carbide plant in Bhopal was already dangerously ill-maintained, as I think we've established. Yeah. But company management decided there were still more costs to be cut. They started slashing worker training even more. According to a UC Davis paper by Ingrid Eckerman on working conditions in the plant, quote, During the training period, technicians were treated as casual workers. After the training, they were only paid an hourly rate. A technician who accepted a job at the MIC plant got a paper about receiving six months of training, but after five weeks, he was asked to stop the training and to take charge as a full-fledged plant operator. In the matter of promotions, individuals with little experience but with unquestioning loyalty to the bosses were invariably selected before others. A demand for extra safety precautions led to warnings that appointments could be terminated. In 1983 and 1984, there were personnel reductions in order to cut costs. Workers were encouraged to take early retirement. 300 temporary workers were laid off and another 150 permanent workers were put in a pool to be assigned to jobs as needed. The operating shifts were cut from 12 to 6 and maintenance shifts from 6 to 2. So So, they just cut out two-thirds of the maintenance shifts. Like, we don't need that on this deadly poison plant. Right.
2: We don't need anyone checking our work. No. Okay. So do we know like what... What am I trying to say? I like are, are they dodging existing labor laws or are the labor laws in India at this time uh, sort of allowing this to happen? Or is the company having to sort of like dodge around stuff?
4: Both of those things are simultaneously true. Okay. So they are skirting some laws and regulations primarily about safety mm-hmm. um, and they're able to get away with it because of their connections in the Indian government and because of the amount of Got money it. that that this all represents so both of those things are true oh good um, you know what else is true Jamie
2: what's true Robert
4: none of the sponsors of this show have contributed to an in industrial disaster of this game can you be so sure robert (laughs) this is a terrible ad plug
2: (laughs) (laughs) these advertisers are not guilty of any major disaster that we're currently aware of of course this is always subject to change
4: And it's entirely possible the next ad will be a Coke Industries ad. And one of the things Coke Industry has gotten attacked for is that at their oil refining plants, they were doing the same thing that Bhopal was doing, where they were giving people screenings for levels of toxic chemicals in their blood, but not giving them the results of their blood tests. And so people died because they got sick, but Coke Industries wanted to wring a little bit of extra productivity out of them before they went to get treated. Yeah.
2: How fun.
4: How fun. How fun. So if... if the ad is for coke industries they have in fact contributed to industrial disasters on a significant scale God. but you know dick pills haven't
2: yeah dick pills uh do you do brain pills we just turned down brain pills. we don't, do brain, pill pills. We do, don't brain do, do brain pills i won't do brain pills i'm
4: fine with dick pills i think that's ethical but no brain pills
2: we turn down almost everything which is why we're still poor
4: you know, I uh, I, I don't I don't have much of a conscience. I won't sell brain pills.
2: Uh, I think, but also, but you di- but yeah, I love dick pills. Dick pills. I would, yeah, I don't think we would ever get an offer for that. But yeah, we should get. I hope that we get some. You know, dick pill offers. Some really any any genitalia pills. We're open yeah. to to hawking any
4: any genital related products.
2: Yeah, I want uh, I want it to yeah. be like an intersectional inclusive, mm-hmm. uh, scary pill.
4: I mean, speaking of the milk industry's ads, I wish there were just a genitalia industry that we could we could plug for. Big genital, like, <laughs> instead big of genital, big yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just plug the concept of genitalia.
2: <laughs> that came straight down from big genital. You can't trust it.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, BG. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we put enough distance in between my terrible first segue and uh, and the ads. Now it's time for products. products. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
0: Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. could just be me.
2: Amy
1: Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
4: We're back. We're talking about erections. Uh, But we don't need to keep talking about erections. No, we that's just got the beautiful the thing about pills.
2: a conversation about erections. It can end it at any time.
4: It can end at any time, much yeah. like an erection. <laughs> unless you have dick pills.
2: <laughs> oh, my uncle would have loved that one.
4: Uh good. I I did that one for all of the uncles and also Bob Dole who is a big listener of this podcast. Yeah, Huge no, fan of the Number cast.
2: one fan. Uh, yeah, he's got merch.
4: Yeah, thank you Bobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's uh let's get back into the uh into the tale here. So, uh chemical Accidents continued to pace throughout the early 80s. In October of 1982, an operator was burned, and two workers exposed to gases during an MIC leak in 1983 and 1984. There were numerous additional leaks of MIC, chlorine gas, phosgene gas, and other deadly poisons. Often, multiple poisons would leak out at the same time, which is, you know, I love I love synergy, and the synergy of deadly poisons is, you know, all synergy. I love it's even, just a even chef's that
2: salad of death mm-hmm. and despair.
4: Mm-hmm. okay make deadly poisons work together again that's oh, God. gonna be my election slogan
2: yeah there's so mm-hmm. many i mean yeah any any story about like factory worker um abuse and neglect is just yeah. is just the fucking worst
4: yeah it's a fucking nightmare uh, and this is the worst of those stories in the yeah. history of the human race. So, yeah. And, of course, yeah.
2: as always, it's a, like because it like I, I don't know. I never I never learned about this. Uh, no, because even though I must have learned about like the Triangle Factory fire nine million times, I've heard about Chernobyl a million times. Um, So much is a race from American education or maybe I'm just stupid, but I think. No,
4: no, no. This one uh, this one is not in the uh, textbooks that we we tend to get. Yeah. Yeah, Horrible. I'm sure if you get like OSHA training, they talk about this motherfucker. But uh, <laughs> which I, didn't I intend learn about to it. do, by the way. Oh, good, yeah, good. We need that now. for podcasting. Yeah. There's a room full of poison behind you, there... so
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's just poisonous uh, takes thoughts, um, all that.
4: No, I mean there's literal poison gas in the room behind you. Where? The, oh, uh, is the, that why
2: the... we can't go out on the balcony? Yeah, because that's why of we can't go out gases? on the balcony.
4: It's full that's... of poison.
2: I forgot. Yeah, I always Someone want to go went out there the other day,
4: Robert. Wait, what happened? Don't tell me that. I gained so much joy from the poison room. They what?
2: lived. I'm sorry. Wait, where is the poison room in relation? It's it's wait, it's just just there? Why is that a poison room?
4: Anyway, speaking of poison rooms, let's get back to Bhopal, India. All right. So Uh, As we already talked about, the first group to blow the whistle about the dangers of the Bhopal Union Carbide Plant were the plant workers themselves. As I already said, they were organized into two competing trade unions, which is an unusual state of affairs that existed primarily because it made life easier for the plant management. After the leak in 1982, one of the trade unions printed 6,000 posters and put them up all around the city of Bhopal, warning denizens of the dangers at their door. One union leader went on a hunger strike at the entrance of the factory. According to Eckerman's paper, quote, the result was that all political and trade union meetings inside the factory were banned. One UC staff member burnt the principal union's tent. In the ensuing scuffle, several people were injured. The two trade union leaders were laid off. Meetings and processions were held throughout the city. As the uh, plant staff regarded the plant as one of the safest ships in the modern industrial fleet, the demonstrations were considered to be a campaign by agitators wanting higher salaries and shorter working hours.
2: Not agitators.
4: Not agitators wanting more
2: agit- money
4: and a better quality of life yeah
2: and i guess again so are what is the state of unions in india at at this point
4: i mean uh better than the state of unions in the u.s in 2019
2: oh good well i mean that's (laughs) saying practically nothing but you know what the world's got what three years left anyways
4: yeah a year and a half i was thinking that Uh, two
2: two years i was like I, i was thinking about like at this point, why would you follow your dreams? You know, like you might as well just like write it out. Have I
4: follow sp- my short term dreams of like having enough intoxicants. That's uh, the only way, right? Like you yeah. just have
2: to like, uh, if if you don't have any kids, just live fast because uh, you can't like. Don't go back to school now.
4: Yeah, don't go what back to school. Doing? Don't. Yeah. Go,
2: don't. Don't read a book.
4: No, we're really by- out of time instead of going to school invest in some really good bolt cutters one of those like $500 pairs that won't oh. conduct electricity so you can snap through like the gates of a rich person's house even if it's like mined or electrified or something like that Robert, like you
2: guys have the scariest advice in the entire world i'm just
4: I- i'm just <laughs> saying a better investment oh than school at this point is increasing your ability to do take vengeance every uh, other
2: conversation we have you're like you should buy a weapon <laughs>
4: I mean, bolt cutters aren't inherently a weapon. You tried they have to a convince of me to
2: bring a weapon on a bus to Phoenix. So I was like, I'm not going to do that.
4: Phoenix is a dangerous city.
2: I-, I did find it to be dangerous. That's true. It's
4: filled with Arizonans, <laughs> it's a- the deadliest people in America, other than Floridians and Texans and Oklahomans.
2: Yeah, they were fast and loose. And They're-
4: Louisianans.
2: There' a very high concentration of Hooters in yeah. Phoenix as well. Because I went, I went to a Hooters, and then across the street there was uh, Scottish Hooters, but it went by like some other name. Scooters. But scooters.
4: <laughs> oh, you mean like the tilted kilt? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of those in the fucking Southwest. Yeah, we had a lot in Texas too. Wild. Yep. So, uh, with the unions hobbled, union carbide management was free to lay off even more experienced workers and cut even more costs in how their plant was managed. One example... The best industry practices for storing methyl isocyanate, MIC, was to store it in 52-gallon drums and have like a lot of small drums rather than one gigantic storage vat. Hmm. This was considered safer because it reduced the amount that could get out during an individual leak. But Union Carbide was like, all those 52-gallon drums are going to cost a shitload of money, and it's going to take more time— Let's just put it in one gigantic container, even though that's way less safe and is explicitly what every expert on the chemical says. No, don't fucking do that. Cool. We're, let's just do it anyway, because it'll save us some bucks. <sighs> so cool. uh, Union Carbide Zone technical manual for MIC warned that this was literally the most dangerous way to store the substance. While small drums of the gas do not require refrigeration, it is absolutely necessary for safe bulk storage. Unfortunately, the refrigeration unit designed to do this was, according to a later report by the Indian government's chief scientists, small and ineffective. In late 1984, it was turned off entirely after plant managers talked with their bosses at the American headquarters of Union Carbide and determined it was unnecessary. The refrigeration unit was determined to be unnecessary because shutting it off would save money on electricity and allow them to reroute the Freon to other parts of the plant and save even more money. This Disconnecting the... this refrigeration unit added whole pennies to the shareholder value of Union Carbide.
2: This is like the equivalent of just like lighting Titanic lifeboats. On fire,
4: yeah. Fuck Just these lifeboats,
2: <laughs> yeah. Just cause need more room. There,
4: it's like lighting those lifeboats on fire as you like do shots with the captain to convince him to get as close to that iceberg as he can sail.
2: <laughs> do yeah, like it's like. <laughs> I want to throw a beer thing. at it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Taking body shots off the cap,
4: ridiculous. <laughs> So Union Carbide's manual for MIC did not include any guidance as to what employees might do in the event of a massive leak. Fairly little was known about the chemical, so the manual simply suggested dumping it into a spare storage tank. It noted, there may be other situations not covered above. The situation will determine the appropriate action. We will learn more and more as we gain actual experience. Which is a great thing to hear in the manual for a deadly chemical that oh you're producing by the time. Oh my god. <laughs> Love it. This- Love it.
2: This is, this is, there's no, and, and I'm imagining there's no, like, formal regulatory body that would say, oversee something like this. Are they even pretending to have any sort of regular, like, regulation? Oh,
4: they're definitely pretending.
2: Okay, well, I'm like, at least show yeah. some some effort.
4: Oh, yeah, they, they fake it a little bit. Not a whole lot, because, again, like, it's India, and rules are a lot less strict there. Um, right, but they do fake it to an extent. Um, and I want to note because like I've spent a decent amount of time in India and I I really love the country Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of very valid criticism about how loose a lot of the rules about worker health and safety are and have been going back decades totally fair to hit them on that there were also and are also a lot of people in the country who care a lot about reforming that Mm -hmm. and in the case of the ticking time bomb that was the Bhopal Union Carbide Plant there was a heroic journalist in addition to those like uh, union workers who tried to blow the whistle. Uh, Now, this journalist's name was Rajkumar Kaswani, and he wrote for a local Hindu weekly paper called the Saptahik Report, and in late 1982, he started receiving tips about the poor maintenance and constant leaks inside the Union Carbide facility. Rajkumar began to investigate and became convinced that an apocalyptic danger awaited the city of Bhopal. In September and October, he ran a series of articles with the most heartbreaking headlines imaginable. The first article was titled, Save, please save this city. The second article was titled, Bhopal on the Mouth of a Volcano. And the third was titled, If You Don't Understand, You Will Be Wiped Out. Go Raj. Yeah, like that's you really can't Jesus be more direct Christ. in a title. Yeah. Well, I mean, no it, buried leads with this guy.
2: Yeah, the, the, he's setting the tone. I mean, it. it, yeah. it I'm, I'm glad that he did because especially it sounds like the union workers are already out here saying this is happening, and then it's mm-hmm. just like if the company and the culture is the local made the government not yeah. to care. Uh, yeah, those, he's
4: literally those are writing. Headlines. You're going to die.
2: Yeah, like, like. like seriously, not kidding. We're all about to fucking die. Please yeah. read. Oh,
4: <laughs> please, God. for the love of God, do something. Please. <laughs> uh, as we all know from the last couple of years, especially nobody listened to Raj Kumar. Sure. Uh, yeah. By 1984, MIC production at the Bhopal plant was down to about a quarter of its height. Cost-cutting features had reduced maintenance shifts to roughly a quarter of their necessary frequency and robbed the plant of most of its highly trained staff. Mr. Parikh, a former project manager at the plant, reported, The whole industrial culture of Union Carbide at Bhopal went down the drain. The plant was losing money. Top management decided that saving money was more important than safety. Maintenance practices became poor and things generally got sloppy. The plant didn't seem to have a future and a lot of skilled people became depressed and left as a result. And this was the situation. Okay. On December 2nd, 1984, oh, when no. things started to go badly wrong at the plant.
2: And, and how but, many people are working at this plant?
4: Oh, not that many people. There's okay. only six folks on staff.
2: Okay, okay.
4: Yeah. The first sign of this was in pressure readings from the gas tanks that registered at five times the normal levels. Suman Day, the senior operator on duty, said he did not consider this a problem. Another worker who saw the same readings half an hour later had the same reaction. He later recalled to the New York Times, there was a continual problem with instruments. Instruments often didn't work. So they didn't they, they, they didn't see, like it was showing elevated levels of gases, but it kind of always did because all of the instruments were garbage, so they just didn't think of it as a problem. Uh... Now. It might have helped, in this case, if the Bhopal plant had enjoyed a complex computer monitoring system to check for things like gases. And this is where I point out that Union Carbide operated a second, almost identical chemical plant, producing MIC, in West Virginia. It was also known as the sister plant to the one in Bhopal. And that plant did, in fact, have a sophisticated computer monitoring system to quickly warn staff members about leaks. Meanwhile, in India, Union Carbide preferred to rely on workers to notice leaks when their eyes started to water from all the poison in the air.
2: Oh, my God.
4: Yeah. <laughs> okay. I... I uh, laughter about what's coming is like the like like the anxious reaction that comes because of the horrors but like it gets i wonder which country so the worse. company
2: cared about more this is like we
4: yeah so impossible to say so no need absurd. to bring race into this jamie
2: yeah no 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 i'm <laughs> sorry that was a reach and i and i can't apologize enough
4: at around 11:30 p.m december 2nd workers in the methyl isocyanate structure 100 feet from the control room noticed that their eyes had started to water one operator, last name Singh, spotted a liquid drip in a yellowish-white gas. He went to the control room at 11.45 p.m. and told his boss that they had another MIC leak. His boss, a Mr. Qureshi, told him that he would look into it after having his tea. Uh, this
2: is literally yeah. Titanic, Robert. Not to... yeah, Not to... But it's like... Iceberg right ahead. He's like, okay, let me just finish my beer first.
4: This is going to make Titanic look like a skidoo crash.
2: Well, Titanic, in retrospect, like a lot of rich people died, and we can't, mm-hmm. you know, we can't fault, uh, we can't fault the ocean for claiming the rich.
4: No, no, yeah. uh, I'm I'm all right with that actually. But yeah. sorry, continue. not a, yeah, not not to say that. Yeah, anyway, no one looked into the leak until after twelve forty a.m. Once management had finished with their tea. And while we can and should mock management for waiting until after tea to check on a poison gas leak, I should note here that it's likely none of them would have known what to do if they had checked earlier. The positions of second and third shift maintenance supervisor had been eliminated several days before the disaster, so there was actually no one on duty whose job it was to fix this stuff. Mm. In fact, on the night of December 2nd, there was not a single trained engineer at the Union Carbide Plant in Bhopal. So, the people whose job it was to maintain the plant did not know how to maintain it they knew nothing about mic or phosgene the two deadly gases stored by the ton in enormous cylinders the supervisor was initially convinced that no leak was possible because they'd stopped production for the night the new york times spoke to several of these workers quote M.K. Jane, an operator on duty on the night of the accident, said that he did not understand large parts of the plant. His three months of instrument training and two weeks of theoretical work taught him to operate only one of several methyl isocyanate systems. He said, if there was a problem in another MIC system, I don't know how to deal with it, said Mr. Jane, a high school graduate. Raman Khan, the operator who washed the improperly sealed pipe a few hours before the accident, said, I was trained for one particular area and one particular job. I don't know about other jobs. During training, they just said, these are the valves you are supposed to turn this is the system in which you work here are the instruments and what they indicate that's it okay yeah
2: so the whole the whole training was uh done away with
4: yeah basically Cool. cool so cool. in order to talk about how the disaster started and what happened next i'm going to quote requ- uh, quote from a national institute of health uh article on what happened okay. uh because it, it kind of describes it mechanically okay quote The vent gas scrubber, a safety device designed to neutralize toxic discharge from the MIC system, had been turned off three weeks prior. Apparently, a faulty valve had allowed one ton of water for cleaning internal pipes to mix with 40 tons of MIC. A 30-ton refrigeration unit that normally served as a safety component to cool the MIC storage tank had been drained of its coolant for use in another part of the plant. Pressure and heat from the vigorous exothermic reaction in the tank continued to build. The gas flare safety system was out of action and had been for three months. At around 1 a.m. December 3rd, loud rumbling reverberated around the plant as a safety valve gave way, sending a plume of MIC gas into the early morning air.
2: Jesus Christ.
4: Now, it didn't kill the workers at the plant. This is not like Chernobyl. It's much worse. Because the gas, which was heavier than air, floated down into the slums surrounding the chemical plant and into the lungs of thousands upon thousands of sleeping citizens. The wind blew the poisonous gases far and wide, covering an area of almost 40 square kilometers. Hundreds choked to death in their sleep as their lungs literally liquefied and drowned them. Thousands more awoke, eyes burning, mouths frothing, driven nearly mad by a choking terror few of us can imagine. Nearly 4,000 people died on the first night. As many people as the World Health Organization estimates will die, in total, from the Chernobyl disaster over the next several decades.
2: Jesus Christ.
4: Yeah. Kind of frustrating we don't learn about this one.
2: It's, I, yeah, extremely telling that we don't learn about this one. That's, mm-hmm. oh my god, four, so 4,000 and the poison acts In a matter of,
4: of hours, yeah. Jesus yeah. Now, since MIC is twice as heavy as air, children were poisoned first and had the most trouble escaping the deadly gases. And as bad as the leak was, it should have been easy for most of the victims to escape. A wet cloth over the mouth would have acted as a crude gas mask long enough for virtually everyone affected to climb to higher ground and get above the gas. Mm-hmm. But no one in Bhopal knew these facts, because Union Carbide had not bothered to spend the money to inform the citizens about what they might need to do if the giant poison gas plant in their city ever exploded. And that Doctors wouldn't have were...
2: even cost anything. like it's... Barely anything. Yeah. to
4: print. Yeah. You'd have to print some stuff. In yeah. New,
2: yeah, you would just have to, I guess, yeah, buy one, a couple ads in a, a newspaper. It's so cool. Cr-
4: yeah. Doctors were at first not even aware of what chemical people had been poisoned with because Union Carbide had not bothered to have a little sit-down with any of them either. According to an India Today report on the disaster, quote, The public siren was put on around 1am, but only for a few minutes, and after that, the muted siren took over. This was per carbide procedure, which was evolved to avoid alarming the public around the factory over tiny leaks. But in the present case, it was gross negligence that the continuous siren was put off, although it was already known by then that MIC was escaping in huge quantities. It was not until 2am, one hour later, that the public siren was sounded again, on full blast, to alert the already terrified, injured, and dying in the city. So... That's cool.
2: That just seems aggressive at that point. Like, uh, yeah, people know something's up.
4: <laughs> yeah, because they're the f- dying by the hundreds. Everyone
2: they know just died. You don't need to turn on the siren now, asshole.
4: So um, this is time for an ad plug. Uh, this is a
2: really dark time for an ad plug, Robert. Maybe our darkest
4: ad pivot of all time, yeah.
2: This is, I mean, this is just like... Devastating. This is so. Yeah,
4: it's soul crushing.
2: <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I just I don't know. Every day I've, I I learn about something new that was just completely omitted from my education, so I could learn misinformation about the founding fathers, and it makes me angry.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know.
2: <sighs> but you know what really comforts me in these moments of anger?
4: <laughs> Products and services
2: products and services
4: we're back on the fucking train baby all right now some ads And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play.
0: Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health.
2: could just
3: be a me.
1: Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
3: What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The, I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find, for the fun of it, kind of fun.
1: Don't wait to start your fun season. King's Island is now open
4: on weekends.
2: We're back. We're back. And things are not, things are not going well.
4: Things are not going great. The, alarm, no, are not.
2: the alarms have been sounded uh, yeah. after four thousand people have died.
4: Yeah, just you know, four thousand people or so. Yeah. So, in order to like kind of put together or provide a picture of exactly what was going on and what it was like to be at Ground Zero for this, I'm going to quote from an India Today report. Okay. Quote. The siren was heard by Syed Khan as he ran away, leaving his family coughing and sputtering. By the time he returned in the morning, his father, mother, and two brothers were dead. Only a sister survived. Shezad Khan of Jayaprakash Nagar, who had fled in blind panic, leaving his wife and four daughters to the vapors, returned to find all but two girls dead. Shivnarang, a machine operator at the straw products factory, lost a three month old boy but 7 of his 12 neighbors all of whom shared a four-room L-shaped hut died. Among the dead were Nathu Ram Kuswa, the owner of the hut, his wife and two children. Kuswa died because he couldn't leave his wife's side. She had just delivered their second child a few hours earlier.
2: Oh my god.
4: Stories like that are repeated across the city of Bhopal to thousands upon yeah. thousands of people and families. Now, the Bhopal accident was the first time that doctors saw the effect of MIC gas on human beings on at any kind of scale. Those who died the first day had lungs that were as much as 3 times their normal weight. The autopsy team suffered gas poisoning as they cut open bodies that were essentially filled with chemical weaponry. An exact death toll for the immediate wake of the Bhopal disaster will never be known. Estimates range as high as 10 to 15,000 in the first few days, Jeez, with another 15 to 20,000 premature deaths over the next 20 years. So okay. at this point we're looking at 30 to 40,000 dead conservatively. That's right now. Again, Is ten it, times the death toll of Chernobyl.
2: And uh just I mean, uh, the, uh morbid question from me. Mm-hmm. um the the four thousand people who die immediately does that have to do with like range with the closeness to the or or is there any like indication of why certain people survived and others didn't or
4: these are the people who you know mostly they're asleep they live very close to where the leak happens okay. so the gas hits them first and they just choke to death on There's their lungs and a no lot of people yet. Yeah, got hit and got hurt, but, like, got away, many of whom were still hurt enough that they died within a few days. Right. Um, Others just suffered injuries that would kill them 5, 10, 15 years later. (sighs) Yeah. In the immediate wake of the disaster, Union Carbide set to work trying to avoid any blame for this calamity their incompetence and mismanagement had brought into the world. It first tried to shift the blame by blaming Union Carbide India, claiming that the plant had been built and was operated wholly by the subsidiary corporation. They also floated theories that an unknown Sikh extremist group had attacked the plant and caused the disaster. Then they blamed angry employees, essentially trying to shift the blame to the union workers who tried to warn them about the plant's issues back in 1976.
2: They tried to blame... Hmm.
4: an unknown Sikh extremist group. Like, just
2: blame the Sikhs. (laughs) uh... Yeah, let's just... Uh, Mm. Yeah,
4: pretty frustrating.
2: Yeah, blame the union, sure.
4: So, the first lawsuit against Union Carbide landed on December 7th, less than a week after the disaster. It was filed by an American attorney in a U.S. court. The first great piece of journalism on the disaster was published in January by the New York Times, based on dozens of interviews with plant workers, Union Carbide representatives, and members of the Indian government. They were the first paper to report on much of what I talked about today, the cost-cutting, elimination of trained personnel, shutdown of basic safety equipment, and failure to warn the community. Quote, when questioned in recent days about the shortcomings disclosed in the inquiry by The Times, a spokesman at the Union Carbide corporate headquarters in Danbury characterized any suggestion of the accident's causes as speculation and emphasized that Union Carbide would not contribute to that speculation. Cool.
2: Cool.
4: The spokesman went on to state responsibility for plant maintenance, hiring and training of employees, establishing levels of training, and determining proper staffing levels rests with the plant management.
2: Oh. <sighs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, it's now, in, it's actually India's
4: fault. It's actually India's yeah,
2: fault. Yeah. Let's let's. God. Yeah.
4: Now, The Times spoke with VP uh, Gokal, the COO of Union Carbide India, to try and parse out just how independent this so-called subsidiary really was. During his interview, they noted, quote, "...at perhaps a dozen points during a two-hour interview, he read his answers into a tape recorder, saying he would inform the parent corporation's Danbury headquarters of what he had said. He also made notes of some of his comments and said he would send them to Danbury for approval by Union Carbide lawyers."
2: Okay, so that doesn't
4: sound totally independent. Investing?
2: I know it sounds totally above board. It sounds Mm -hmm. like standard practice, and Mm -hmm. yeah, seems seems. God, it's legit and cool. I cannot joke about it.
4: No, it's just so fucked up. This will not be our our
2: dark, yeah.
4: Rip Roarin' funnest episode. Ugh,
2: the things that you you tell us, Robert. It's upsetting.
4: Yeah, it's not great.
2: And then we're just supposed to go home after that, you know?
4: Go home, maybe, you know, get some bolt cutters. <laughs>
2: and then the only advice you have for coping is to buy bolt cutters.
4: <laughs> Everybody could use a pair of bolt cutters. That's all I'm saying. You're, I, that's all I and Werner Herzog are, say, are saying. <laughs> Now, uh, the New York Times further notes that Union Carbide had several direct representatives on the board of Union Carbide India, including an EVP of the American company. Mr. Gokal confirmed that the Union Carbide board of directors reviewed reports regularly from operations in their Indian subsidiary and made numerous safety decisions, such as the decision to shut down the refrigerator to save power and free on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In March of 1985, the Indian government passed the Gas Leak Disaster Act, making the Indian government the only representative of victims in and outside of India. Eventually, okay. the government reached a settlement with Union Carbide. The company took moral responsibility and paid $470 million to the Indian government. Wow. Wow. This was instantly controversial. For one thing, it was based on the idea that only 3,000 people had died and 102,000 people had been permanently disabled. The real figure in both cases was, of course, several times that high. The NIH notes, quote, Upon announcing the settlement, shares of UCC rose $2 per share, or 7% in value. Had compensation in Bhopal been paid at the same rate that the asbestos' victims were being awarded in U.S. courts by defendants including UCC, which mined asbestos from 1963 to 1985, the liability would have been greater than the $10 billion the company was worth and insured for in 1984. By the end of October 2003, according to the Bhopal Gas Tragedy Relief and Rehabilitation Department, compensation had been awarded to $554,895 people for injuries received, and 15,310 survivors of those killed. The average amount to families of the dead was
2: $2,200. That doesn't even cover, like, funeral costs, but sure. It's, ugh, it's, yeah. and, and when things like that happen, especially, you're just like, this is just like PR for them. It's not, yeah. you know. It's just PR. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, just a PR. hefty PR expense of like, no, I think it's taken care of.
4: Yeah, the fact that Union Carbide did not care about what had happened became even clearer uh, in the immediate wake or in the weeks following the disaster. See, when you kill 10,000 or so people in the space of a handful of days, Uh uh, it tends to be bad for business. The Bhopal plant had already been slated for decommissioning. They were slowly winding down production and removing equipment but there were still thousands upon thousands of tons of toxic waste and equally toxic pesticide ingredients to be dealt with. Prior to this disaster, Union Carbide had dumped its waste into 21 unlined pits on the site. Now, this is fucked up by modern standards, but it should be said this was the standard practice in the U.S. back then too. So unlike with their failure to install a computer monitoring system, we can't put that one down to Union Carbide valuing Indian lives less than American ones. That's
2: industry-wide stupidity.
4: Industry-wide stupidity, yeah. Got it. Uh, In 1977, though, the company built three proper solar evaporation ponds and started piping waste directly in. These ponds had a liner, but it was thin and it broke immediately, which allowed the waste to seep into the ground and eventually into the groundwater. Farmers complained that the runoff was killing their cows and their crops. And then, when the disaster hit, Union Carbide abandoned the factory and all of the poison inside it. There are literally pictures of giant sacks of toxic chemicals that they left lying out, unguarded, and exposed to the elements. Many of those sacks are still lying around the factory to this day. Wow. The tanks and vats filled with deadly poison weren't emptied until 1989, and 360 of the tons of the worst waste was finally locked up in 2005. And the vast majority... Yeah.
2: This, so... Uh, the, my yeah. head, my heart. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so after this happens, is the area... Evac. People aren't allowed to live there, or people living. Oh, of course not. No, no, nothing's changed. I just wanted to make sure that everything uh, was just as bad, and that people were moving in. Yeah, no. uh, uh, Next uh, door to these huge bags of toxic waste.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, almost nothing was cleaned up. The factory remained. The poison seeped into the uh, groundwater, and as you might expect, leaving all this poison around in the middle of a densely populated city has had some long-term negative consequences.
2: Oh.
4: Yeah, shockingly. I know. That that one really threw me for a loop too. In 2018, Atlantic Writer Apurva Mandavili wrote a great article about this called The World's Worst Industrial Disaster is Still Unfolding. She traveled to Anunagar, a neighborhood directly across from the old chemical plant. I'd like to read you the introduction from her article as it does a superb job of humanizing the long-term impact of all this poison. Please do. From the wooden bed outside her two-room house, Muni B., the grand dame of Anunagar, has a wide lens on the devastation. Muni B.'s bed is less than 200 feet from a massive pit that UCC filled with toxic sludge, close enough to witness the damage the Gandapani, dirty water, has wrought. Uh, right next door is 15-year-old Faiza, who didn't speak for the first five years of her life and still has heart palpitations, dizzy spells, and headaches. The young woman who grew up two doors down, Tabasum, now has a toddler who doesn't eat much or speak or cry and has seizures. Down the street is Obais, a spindly-legged 13-year-old with black pustules all over his body, so painful and grotesque that he rarely leaves the house. Across the street from him is 12-year-old Tasib, who is intellectually disabled. And then there's Najma, the street- sweet young woman who lost her mother to tongue cancer and and now sits in front of her house all day, smiling and occasionally shouting out guttural gibberish to passer by. And then there is the house where one daughter has fused bones in her legs and another has a hole in her heart.
2: Horror, okay. And are they yep. still are they still they're living they're still living in the area?
4: Yep, yep. Slum and it's slums that are around there. This is not where it's a big city. There's a lot of nice parts of Bhopal. The slums where poor people can afford to live. Many of them are directly around and surrounding the plant.
2: Right, and the plant is uh, still operational, or is it just there? No,
4: it's just there. It's just nobody's cleaned it up. There and full of toxic
2: waste, like a fucking like like an abandoned amusement park that's killing people. Yep, that sounds like a horror movie. I, I would. An abandoned it's, amusement park that's killing people. It, yeah, it, it I is. I would see that movie.
4: It's like a Stephen King book. Yeah, absolutely. Oh,
2: God, okay. This is, this Current is, data yeah.
4: suggests that 44 communities in India at least have had their groundwater corrupted by toxic levels of solvents from the old Union Carbide Factory, or plant. Canadian researchers are in the process of conducting a long-term study on mortality, birth defects, fertility cancer, and other ailments caused by the old plant. The study, which has involved upwards of 100,000 people to date, suggests that folks who were exposed to the gas or to the water near the plant have 10 times the rate of cancer compared to other groups. So on a long-term basis, the kids who grow up in the slums around the plant and drink the water have the same cancer risk as people who were actually gassed on the night of the disaster. Mm. Dow Chemical Company bought Union Carbide in 2001. They merged with DuPont in 2017. Well, Today, sounds Dow, sounds that does sound safe. Yeah. sounds like everything's going to be fine. Oh, okay. Today, Dow claims that the responsibility for cleaning up the mess Union Carbide left behind lies with Union Carbide India, which is now called Ever Ready Industries India. Ever Ready, for their part, blames Union Carbide and their owner, Dow Chemical. Dow also regularly suggests that the state of Madhya Pradesh should be responsible for cleaning up the site. The state claims they can't afford to do that and has convinced the federal government to bl- name Dow in a curative petition demanding $1.2 billion as restitution for the original inadequate settlement. On their website, Dow still touts the old Union Carbide line that a disgruntled employee caused the accident. They steadfastly refused to admit any responsibility. Quote, Dow acquired shares of Union Carbide in 2001, seven years after UCII became Everready Industries India Limited. Union Carbide had no assets in India at the time of the transaction with Dow. Dow never owned or operated the UCIL plant site. Activists, on the other hand, argue that when Dow bought Union Carbide, they assumed all of the company's liabilities, as well as its assets. It's unlikely that any satisfactory resolution to the case will be reached as long as dow slash dupont continues to have enough money for all of the lawyers. A recent Greenpeace report estimated it would cost $30 million to clean up the remaining waste at the old Union Carbide plant over a period of four years. Last year, Dow-Dupont made $85 billion in profits.
2: Cool. Well, I mean, cool. when, if Dow's involved, it seems to be like an upstanding thing. I'm wanting to mm-hmm. watch a NASCAR race all of a sudden. I'm like really, mm-hmm. DuPont? Oh, my God. Yeah.
4: Big names. Big names.
2: Yeah. Good Good NASCAR suit, that DuPont company. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. Well, good to know that, you know, 100 years later, you know, Union Carbide, <laughs> alive, alive and well, unlike uh, all of their casualties.
4: Well, like 30 years later.
2: Well, no, oh, sorry. I was looking. the The company was uh, oh, yeah. founded in 19. Oh yeah, they've been
4: around yeah. a minute.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, and I I was wondering too. This is again yet another morbid exercise, but uh, if you Google Union Carbide, I'm like, how much money do they spend trying to push those results out of the first Google page? And they managed to get. The, the Bhopal disaster is not mentioned at all until uh, six results down. Cool. Yeah. So if you're wondering, uh, are they still evil? Yes, they are.
4: Well, that's great. Well, how you feeling about this all, Jamie?
2: I feel absolutely, I honestly feel sick to my stomach. Uh, this is, I, I mean, I want to do more reading about this, Um and the fact that, yeah, just the fact, I can't believe that there's, I mean, not to, you know, it's kind of false equivalence, but, like, why have I seen so many documentaries about the Triangle Factory fire and nothing about, like, it's just, it's upsetting.
4: I, I mean, Triangle Shirtwaist is an important one to, to understand for, like, the history of the labor movement in the of, U.S. Of course. But I think Bhopal is just as critical because it talks about what's still going on to this day, you know? The, yeah. The, You can tie like that horrible garment factory fire in Bangladesh that killed all those people. Mm -hmm. Some of the same kinds of things going on in terms of like cost cutting and just like they don't care as much about those people. So less is done to protect them. um, That's just kind of what happens.
2: Well, uh, I feel absolutely sick. How do you feel?
4: Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna pour some more coffee in a little bit. Feeling you're a, okay.
2: <laughs> I should have. We I don't know if we've mentioned this on mic yet. You've been wearing a fuzzy bathrobe this whole time. Yeah. There. Look, Robert. Do you remember that time you told me about one of the most horrifying things I've ever heard about in my one human life, whilst wearing a fuzzy bathrobe?
4: I mean, I read about it whilst wearing a fuzzy bathrobe. It's. Here's the I'm thing, glad Jamie. that
2: you're comfortable. I. I
4: we 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 live in a system uh in which nightmares uh are allowed to occur on a daily basis uh because it's cheaper than trying to prevent them yes and in a system that's sociopathic there are two logical responses
2: products and services
4: well those are those are logical for other reasons but mm-hmm. the, the two logical responses are make yourself comfortable mm-hmm. and buy bolt cutters <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm actually going to do it someday. There's going to, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, no, I, I, feel, I feel terrible, Uh, but I, I love your robe, and I'm going to get some Thank bolt you. cutters.
4: You can get, you know, decent ones for cheap. It's just the really nice ones won't trigger the alarms or set off the electronics and stuff. So, like, if you're, depending on, you know, how the collapse happens. Yeah. Uh, I'm are just they, saying. Are
2: they small? Are, are they, like, pocket size? I can't say I've ever used any.
4: Uh, you can get ones that are small enough to fit in a small backpack. Um, okay. That aren't huge. Yeah, yeah. They have a variety of sizes of bolt cutter. Well, that's fun. Um, yeah. I might, yeah.
2: I might rhinestone handle. I might, I wanna, I wanna kind of sure. mine up and personalize no, it. The,
4: the revolution should involve rhinestone bolt cutters. I, <laughs> I feel strongly about that. I, I um, think
2: that yeah, that would be a, a real, a real iconic thing to do.
4: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, everyone listening at home, revolt in your own ways. Definitely consider a pair of bolt cutters and a fuzzy bathrobe. Um, God, sorry and, uh, about this
2: one, gang. This was, <laughs> this was a, this was extremely heavy.
4: Yeah, it's a lot. Yes. You want to plug your pluggables, Jamie?
2: I mean, it feels just wrong at this point, but
4: uh, yeah, but everything does. But
2: yeah, I guess we we only have two years to live, so I may as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, you can listen to the Bechtel cast with Caitlin Durante and Dorante in my podcast about the portrayal of women in movies every Thursday. Uh, you can go see my show, Boss, Whom Is Girl, in Scotland and in London all summer long, and all that info is on my website, innocent dot com, and Jamie Loftus on Twitter. That's all. That's all Beautiful.
4: I- well, I'm Robert Evans. You can find me on Twitter at IWriteOkay. sometimes tweeting about bolt cutters. Uh, you can find this podcast on the internet, along with all of its sources, at BehindTheBastards.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on the Gram and the tweets at @bastardspod. Uh You can buy T-shirts, cups, um, gloves that you can use to, along with your new bolt cutters at uh, Tpublic.com. Um... Uh, We don't have branded bolt cutters there yet, but uh, I'll talk with Sophie about that. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, she's Um,
2: she's nodding. She's really into the idea.
4: (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Well, uh, until next week, stay angry and buy bolt cutters. I love about 40% of you.
0: Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health.